Kieran. I'm Hannah. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Hannah. Hey, Kieran. How are you? I'm hanging in there. How are you? I'm feeling a little upset i i used to like hang out in squirrel hill with like people from church back in the day so like the shooting this morning is like kind of terrifying yeah i woke up and i saw that and i don't have words i everything is just numb at this point and i i don't even know it's awful I think the thing that keeps happening with these these incidents um, that's really telling to me is that uh, every single one of these shooters, the Kroger shooter, this guy, um, the bomber this week, like this mm-hmm. is just the last three days. Like every oh one God. of these every one of these incidents was someone who was a troll on Twitter who was harassing black women. Yep black activists and who Twitter refused to censor or like take seriously. And so I think they felt like they could get away with more. Of course they did. So at Jack, fuck you. Yeah. No, I mean like all of, all of their platforms have been enabling them. The president has been telling people to target these people explicitly or implicitly. And even his like, uh, denouncement of the bombers were was basically read more like I'm sorry you got caught. Right? Yeah. It's it's they're following the dog whistle orders. It's mm-hmm. really scary. Um. Yeah. I I think if anyone is surprised by what's happening, it's because they're not paying attention closely enough, yeah. and that's um that's basically what we've been saying since day one like that's part of why we started this this podcast is like stuff like this is unfortunately not a surprise to us and even though we weren't involved in the like more explicit side of the white supremacist fundamentalist underbelly we definitely like ran into things like um in the 90s there was this like spate of abortion clinics that were getting bombed by protesters Mm -hmm. and and it felt the same. It felt yep. like this. It was coming out of the same kind of um, political terrorism that is done by Christian fundamentalists, white yep. supremacists, and um, basically just like the far right wanting to like take back what they see that they have lost. They feel that they have lost. Yep. In terms of power in this country. Yeah, what's frustrating is, like, this has all happened before, and it's still it's still happening. I, like, this week has been really hard at school because on top of all of that violence, like, the Trump administration has been targeting specifically, like, trans and intersex rights and protections, and I've, I feel awkward because I'm telling people at school it's going to get worse so we should have like I'm trying to get a safe room for us to just like hang out in and like decompress and be able to self-care on campus between classes while all of this is happening and I feel like 
I sound alarmist or like a conspiracy theorist because I'm sending these emails and I'm like, it is going to get worse. But then the next day something worse happens and right. I'm just like, I called it. <laughs> I hate it I, so right. much. So like we sound like preppers and we sound like insane people, but it's because we grew up with these people and we know how serious they are. Um, Karen, we've gotten a couple listeners talking about um, emailing us to show support for you and um, to talk about the news. Um, do you have anything you want to say to them? Thank you for reaching out. It was helpful this week, actually, to know that people care and are aware, because otherwise it feels really lonely sometimes. It's like, most people, this doesn't affect. So... Thank you for emailing me and reaching out. That was really good and helped a lot with the craziness that was this week. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> That's all I really have to say. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, well, we're all glad you're here. Um, so today's topic, we are responding to a listener um, who has this great question. Do you want to read it or shall I? Uh, you do it. Okay. Hey, Kitchen Cult Pod. If y'all are still taking listener requests for subjects and in honor of Halloween, I'd be curious to hear if you experienced the satanic panic, that's in scare quotes, in your homes or communities. I was wondering what sorts of things your family censored from the children or themselves, and are there things that they arbitrarily seem to allow that you find odd? I feel like there's always some strange exception to the rule that people will bend over backwards to justify. The article I read talked about how people who actively censor media, ideas, etc., are both authoritarian and like the security of being under authority, often within a group like a church, and that censorship often arises from a feeling of fear. I can definitely see that at play within re re religious fundamentalism. Um, I'd love to see that article. That's my first response. Yes. Um, yeah. I'd really love to read that. Um, the other, the, the question about censorship and like, you know things that like get eliminated and like the desire for structure i always go back to um the catholic theologian um gk chesterton in his book orthodoxy has this great little analogy that i have um appropriated and turned on its head to use for the fundamentalists he talks about and he's using very outdated language but he's he says the the madman is the most sane of all creatures. And that's because his world is a closed system. And he calls it, he talks about the man-man's box. And he says, like, the man-man will make this, his world c contained within the box and it will work like a clock, like a, a mm -hmm. watch. Like, everything will fit precisely and tick together and be completely coherent. But anything that doesn't fit, that would, like, disrupt that system that he's created, he leaves outside the box. So, um, so anything that like challenges the assumptions of the system often get like left outside. So when it comes to Halloween, I think we have this, this sense of Halloween is in pagan understanding, a time when the, 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 the walls between the afterworld or the, the invisible world um or the afterlife of the invisible world are thinned and um and so the like the our ability to interact with the supernatural realms is um heightened because like just where the stars are aligning um 
it makes it easier to to pass through that veil and to interact with the other side. Um, and I think that's a threat to Christianity because um, Jesus Demons is sp- spooky. Well, Jesus is supposed to be the access point for that, and like nothing else, you yes, know. Yes, um, that's true. So it, you're either you're either participating in like God's enemy, as in the the caricature of the devil from the Book of Job, um, who is kind of like God's drinking buddy who plays games on humanity. Yeah, I mean that's functionally what that is. Like that is God, that's like. The, the devil and God, and God got drunk, <laughs> and then they set a bet. And yeah. then the Book of Job is about how and Job this man fall out of that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just like a game. Um, so anything that doesn't fit that, like the system, this theological system of Jesus being the access point to the other side, really means that it's a threat to that closed that that box that closed system. And so it has to be eliminated. Did your family have any, like, conflicts in their censorship? So my family, uh, I wasn't allowed to watch anything with magic in it after Uh a while. My parents were like, magic is evil, thanks to actually the Jack Trick, uh, Chick Tracks. Um, But we were also, we watched Philadelphia which is the Tom Hanks movie about like the AIDS crisis and it hmm. shows gay people as not evil and people who like just want to live like the rest of us and I watched that when I was 8 and I was really confused because I had been told up until this point well and even after that point that gay people were utterly evil yet we watched this movie for school somehow uh, that was humanizing gay Kieran, people. If they're they're not utterly evil if they if they're on death row. Well, I mean, I guess they <laughs> were they hoping for Tom him. Hanks to to repent of his gayness and and die. But Tom Hanks you know, is gay. He was in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he is in real life. I was like, wow, there's so much I missed. I just don't remember what his character's <laughs> name was. I just remember it was Tom Hanks. This will give a whole, like, another layer to my mother being in love with Tom Hanks. This would be very complicated. Um, Okay, so moving on. Yeah, the things that were um, contradictory for us were, yeah, magic was off limits. And it was set in in terms of the... The story of King Saul, the the first king of the Israelites, um, going to a medium to consult his mentor. I mean, this this feels like it's straight out of Star Wars. It's like <laughs> doesn't it? Like it's <laughs> it like it's like it's like Luke Skywalker is like pissed that Obi-Wan Kenobi isn't around to answer his questions anymore. So he goes to a witch to have a séance with Obi-Wan. As you do. And Obi-Wan's like you broke the rules <laughs> of the Force and crossed over to the dark side by summoning me through this medium. Like, that's that's functionally <laughs> how that story goes. Like, um, you can't... Yep. Uh, so Saul loses his kingship because he goes to the medium looking for advice from Samuel, who has already died. And, um, and like, the, the seance Samuel says something like, um, the sin of witchcraft is 
either like equal to or as bad as the sin of rebellion. And that that refers to the, the old law of like that commanded the stoning of rebellious sons. Mm-hmm. So witchcraft is like, I mean, that was like a byline in our house, like witchcraft and rebellion are like linked. Um, so we were allowed to read Narnia books. We were allowed to read fairy tales. We were allowed to um, read Lord of the Rings. Uh, we weren't allowed to watch the Lord of the Rings movies. And we were not allowed to watch Harry Potter or um, the Golden Compass. And all these things were, the difference was, there was like, this is a, a piece of debate that Lewis and Tolkien went up back and forth about, like, as friends. Mm-hmm. And it's the the question of how do you portray evil in literature if you're especially if you're writing for an audience that may not have a, like a strong moral compass like children um, if you're trying to like teach something and Lewis was like you can't ever let e- like magic be good you can't ever let you like you have to keep it as this like really strong caricature and mm-hmm. Tolkien was like this is more complicated than that. Um, humans are more complicated than that you can't segregate it that that strongly that's a real bastardization of their conversation i'm sorry <laughs> um but that, that that's the gist of it i wasn't allowed to read or watch harry potter obviously but i also was not allowed to read narnia or lord of the rings or watch narnia or lord of the rings until i was like uh, 16 or 17 when my parents somehow stumbled across um, the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and then suddenly my parents understood metaphor because my dad was like oh my god, Aslan is Jesus and I was like, no shit that's what everyone has been saying for eight years now oh my god well, and and I, I, I think maybe part of that, that problem is like when you read the Bible literally you stop being good at reading like metaphor metaphor i don't know like like when you when you take i'm going to i'm going to get myself in trouble here but when you take take the resurrection literally you get in trouble i can i just go off on a little rant yes right? do it do it this do is it. a totally off topic rant um i believe that communion is witchcraft that makes sense to me um it's 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 casting a spell it's a it's a witch it's like a witchcraft ritual. It is. Um, it has all of the same hallmarks of that. And so when you have Christians who are like, oh, like, we're, you know, like, don't, we don't participate in like Ouija boards or tarot or, or astrology. But we drink the literal flesh and blood of But we drink savior. the literal flesh and blood of Christ. <laughs> I'm like, you guys aren't paying attention. <laughs> Do you hear yourselves? I, um, I've gotten really, really into astrology and tarot since leaving the church because it feels so familiar because there's this, like, it's it's interpretive storytelling. Tarot it is interpretive storytelling. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's recognizing tropes and symbols and reading it. And um, astrology is interpreting these larger um, patterns and symbols in a certain light. I don't know. I just like don't think that these things are so disconnected. And that's that's part of what this question was getting at is like what is the stuff that like was left out that doesn't make sense and it's like 
so we're incredibly superstitious about like the words we say because of the power that they have. We're like, mm-hmm. we don't say swear words. We don't say like in my house, we didn't say things like gosh or darn because Same. They, we were not they allowed were, to say they that. were replacements for they were like substitutions for actual swear words so they yep. would carry the same weight um you know gosh was a stand-in for god and that was a way of taking the lord's name in vain so we're very like we put all this like super superstitious weight on these things um and then we have these rituals of like we have bible time and every morning we like these these this liturgy it's I mean, it's just human to do that, to have, like, a, have rituals, to have um, liturgical practices, um, to put, like, emotional significance on physical objects mm-hmm. and to, um, you know, orient yourself around them. So I just don't see the, like, qualitative difference between practicing Christianity and participating in communion and practicing like witchcraft or Wicca, or, mm-hmm. you know, like it's yeah. kind of, it feels the same, like in terms of like the habits. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people when they leave Christianity uh, go into like Wicca or paganism because it, it's really familiar. And I think there's this element that like, that's part of why Halloween is so scary to Christians. Like, mm-hmm. because they know like, a lot of Christian tradition, like if you haven't figured this out yet, a lot of Christian tradition was the existing pagan tradition for whatever region, like yep. the, the the missionaries or the the Christians were coming into. So as they sp- as Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire, they started like picking up, like okay, so this like area is has this this region has this practice, and. It feels sort of similar to this tradition that we have, so we're going to blend them. So um, we've talked about this a little bit before, but just like, yeah, All Saints Day, that that whole tradition is a direct appropriation of Samhain. And there's all of these overlaps. So Halloween and being scared of Halloween is one of those like ahistorical Christianity American problems. Mm Mm-hmm. At least in my mind. That makes sense to me. How did your family deal with Halloween? With fear and loathing. Did did your like churches do any of like the like ours did trunk or treat because going to your neighbor's house was was morally wrong, but sitting in the parking lot with your cars and going to the cars in the church parking lot was fine. Well, okay, so here's here's what I don't know. Like I I, I since I've talked to people outside of my particular community, I, I grew up in Visalia, California, up until when I was 12. And Visalia was one of the places that the Golden State Killer hit before he went further north. So they, it was like one of his starting points was he was the Visalia ransacker. And so there was this like deep set communal fear of strangers that like still pervaded that community. And I don't know how much of it was like the shadow that he cast over that town or um or just like the you know what did our our reader our listener call it like satanic panic um Mm -hmm. of the 90s like so there's a sense that like going to go trick-or-treating was like going to you might get poisoned you might get kidnapped you might get find razor blades stuck in candy or apples or whatever 
Um, so you didn't do it. It was a way of protecting your mm-hmm. kids. It wasn't so much about the holiday. And that's where trunk or treating became popular was like, it was a way of like limiting access. Right. So um, we did a WANA, um, which is this Bible memorization little church you know, thing. thing, church thing, usually in Baptist churches. Um, so we did a WANA at a church that wasn't ours and they always had trunk or treat. But I don't think our church did. We had harvest parties. Yeah, our churches, they would like do trunk or treat or we would have fall festivals. Um, When I lived in Florida, the first year that my parents stopped doing Halloween because they realized um, that Halloween was evil uh, and celebrated devils and sin somehow. because, you know, demons and spookiness. Our homeschool group had Reformation Day. Mm-hmm. And so we all dressed up like we were from the time of Martin Luther. And some people dressed up as Martin Luther. And we would, like, stick little paper theses on, like, the doors <laughs> of the church. Were they the actual and then there 90, was somehow, like 99 theses? I don't know if they were the actual 99 theses. They were just standing in, supposed to be. So there was that guy in my college. My college is, my undergrad was very Presbyterian. Very, very Presbyterian. (laughs) And so, like, Reformation Day was a big deal. Um, So people would wear orange as, like, we're not Catholic. Mm -hmm. Like, like, right. It was, (laughs) uh, like, there is basically appropriating, like, the Irish conflict. I don't know. Super weird. So they wear orange, and then they would, yeah, there was a guy who would always, like, put the 99 Theses on the doors of the chapel. Yep. This guy, um, he, he wrote for the op-ed column um, for the school newspaper, and he was, like, a vehemently anti-Catholic. Like, oh my God. You would, he would, like, if he had been on Twitter at that point, he would have been, like, I wouldn't say he's a mega troll, but he was, like, bordering on that level of, like, visceral against like he we had a an anglican church plant come to town and he like wrote a series of articles like against them oh my god because the anglicans are apparently catholic like i don't know like it was just so there's weird. a lot of catholic hate in like protestant christianity yeah fall festivals harvest parties like whatever to denude the the idea that we were participating in this this mm-hmm. thing um and then my family when we were in california we stayed home we like would go into a back bedroom and we'd yep. make caramel corn um and we had to put on a movie and keep all the lights in the front of the house off and pretend we weren't home that's what we did too if we weren't at a church harvest festival thing then we stayed home we turned all the lights off on the front porch uh we were really quiet we watched a movie and had popcorn in like the back of the house somewhere until it was past whatever trick-or-treat o'clock was we did one year in California, and I feel like this is, must have been our last year before we left, which would have been 1999, so, like, full-on Y2K mm. terror. Yep. Um, we had chick tracks, and we were handing them out um, with, I don't know, granola bars or something That's gross. That's the worst. I know. That's we were We worst. were that family. Like, we were that family. <laughs> like, these are the granola bars that I, like, can't eat still because I... This is like the Nature Valley honey crunchy oh, ones. Oh yeah. I mm. my friend, um, my peace girl friend Leah and I. She she grew up in a big Catholic family in Chicago, and 
she had them too and because their family went to Costco and we called them diaper bag granola bars I mean basically because they would sit in the diaper bag for months and then you wouldn't have a a, you would like be starving and like that would be the only thing you could find to eat and it would be stale and gross I can't terrible oh god yeah no but we gave out diaper bag granola bars and chick tracks so, um, and then I think we did that in Cal- in uh, Virginia too after we moved there. But I think we we upped our candy game. Um, but, but what the hell are chick tracks? Can you can you oh, please man. enlighten our, our listeners to this? Uh, this I mean, delightful. You've probably piece of run across them. They were everywhere in the nineties. If you went to a church at all, it was this one dude named Jack, Jack Chick, and he just wrote these comics. Uh, I don't know, like, how we got a ton of them, but we always had access to them somehow. They're super cheap. They're, like, tiny little zines. Yeah, I feel like churches would buy them in bulk. Yeah, and they just, like, had them out. Uh, And actually, that the Chick Track um, is why Harry, like, why I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter and, like, what really kind of cemented my parents' Uh, magic is mm. evil thing was the chick tracks and and these are like all black and white yeah some of them had color um maybe like for the first two panels but yeah they were mostly black and white they were these and they only used um they were like there would be a lot of bible verses cited throughout and they would only, only king use james. king james version yeah. not even new king james version well, I mean, like, it's a point in one of the comics that uh, it, it brings it up. It's like only the King James version, because that's the only one that the devil hasn't touched. OK, so K, the KJV was like KJV as like the only good version of the Bible was a thing that I remember hearing um, mostly in um, independent Baptist churches. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm not sure why that was like the case. I, it may have something to do with like some of the the history around that denomination starting and like whatever theological debate they had being based on like a translation interpretation. That's usually how that goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there's this like definite sect of Christians that were very, very, very KJV only. And so the Chick Tracks were also a part of that. Are also a part of that, and there was there were more common in um, again in Baptist circles. So I don't know what the what the connection was, but yeah, the um, the Harry Potter stuff was made fun of in there. They they made fun of drinking. They they equated like this slip. They used the slippery slope fallacy really strong, like heavily um, every time, every single time. So it'd be like, so you like go hang out with your friend who's not a Christian. That was your first mistake. Yep. <laughs> and then your second yeah, mistake is your friend who's not a Christian has beer and you had beer. So then obviously now you're an alcoholic. Right. And now that you're an alcoholic, you're also you're also gay and you're also participating in witchcraft. And now you have AIDS and you're dead. And you and you now you're in hell and Satan is like and, and you could dancing have been on saved your grave. If only if only you were a Christian. If only, well, you could have been saved if only you didn't have friends who weren't Christian. <laughs> right, exactly. Or had, like, evangelized to your friends instead of gone along with it. Yeah, it was real aggressive. Um, I will just say, like, for those of us who grew up with 
Jack Trick Jack Chicks. Uh, I was gonna say Jack Tricks. Um, I mean, <laughs> Chick Tricks. Um, it, with his uh, crummy material as a household staple, there's a, a obituary website where mm-hmm. you can add a memory of him if you feel yeah, like it. You can, you can, you can like talk express, about your memories of reading these tracks and what they did to you. Express your feelings. So. Harry Potter was not banned in my house because of the chick tracks. We were kind of outside of their sphere by then. Um, it was because of World Magazine. Oh yeah, also that they were everything really was just reinforcing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the the idea was like Harry Potter was going to get you interested in witchcraft, and getting interesting yep. interested in witchcraft was going to send you on a uh, direct path to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not kiss your mom goodbye. Yep. Yeah, there's this panel in the Chick Track that is uh, someone asking, tell me, how did you two get into the craft? And then the person... They're witches, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, sort of. She's like, through Harry Potter books, but we wanted real power. Other books told us to call for spirit guides, and they came, and they led us into other stuff. Curses, magic spells, potions, Ouija boards, and crystal balls. And you know what was hilarious is um, when I had like decided to actually watch Harry Potter and listen to the book, and my ex's family were also like but they'll teach you about how to saw, like how real magic is and i was like it's latin like <laughs> the spells in harry potter are derived from latin your kids are learning latin they know the words like it's i'm sorry but is latin somehow evil i don't think so yeah well again that that plays into anti-catholic hate like okay so like we are so anti-catholic that like we are anti like Vatican One, we're anti-mass. We are anti-Harry yep. Potter. We're anti-everything. Um, there was this like classical curriculum popular popularity um, thing happening in the homeschool community where I grew up. Um, so a lot of kids were learning Latin, and I had started learning some in California um, before we left. And we, <laughs> I don't know if you ever had this Latina Christiana. Was the name of the cur- curriculum? Oh, maybe. And it was great because the woman on the tapes had this really heavy Texas accent, so she was like doing these verb conjugations with this like really heavy Texas accent. And I, growing up in California, like <laughs> didn't take that seriously. And I was like, "Mom, I can't do this. Um, I'm gonna sound stupid, which is horrible." But <laughs> that was, but I there was also this like sense of like I was a weirdo for learning Latin because like nobody learned Latin because that was what Catholics did like this anti-Catholic hate was everywhere yeah I learned Latin I taught myself Latin um, but also a bunch of my friends were learning Latin um, because it helped us in speech and debate when we were doing our preparation and whatnot so a lot of people in my community learned Latin and taught ourselves Latin, but obviously didn't learn how to speak it. So, mm-hmm. like, we knew how to read it. We knew, like, how language referenced it and whatnot, but we couldn't really speak it. Yeah, Patrick Henry was, like, really big on Latin. I remember right after they started, one of my acquaintances who went there, um, they had a, like, a Latin Winnie the Pooh-themed birthday party for her and her friend. Oh, my God. And they, like, read Winnie the Pooh in Latin. 
what? Really weird. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you believe in demons? Yes. Uh, but I also had the weird background of being in a cult that believed demons literally inhabited stuffed animals, doorknobs, gold, and whatever for like two years of my life. Gold. So gold, yes, like the metal. Why? How? I I don't know. It it was just demons I'm, lived in everything, like Christians, doorknobs, metals, basically. Yeah, the communion wine. Right. I mean, it could be it, well, not the communion wine because that's sacred and like the Holy uh, Spirit God is cast that out. You can't. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is definitely not a demon. Right. It's it's different somehow. You you want it, to be filled and possessed by the Holy Spirit and say weird things and do weird things, but that is totally but that's different. Not right. It's totally different from being like possessed by a actual demon because I don't. I just, it, you can't it just logic doesn't make it. sense. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make you, any you sense. You can't logic it. Um, but uh, yeah, we did believe I, in demons. We believed in demons pretty seriously. I I had a lot of nightmares about demons growing up as a kid. Um, regular, reoccurring, repeating dreams. The exact same dream over and over where it would be like the devil chasing me down the hall. Being like really angry because I had like thwarted a plan of his or like... Being stuck in a theater where, like, the entire cast of the show were demons and I was, like, backstage with them afterward and, like, couldn't get out and they had to oh, be no. trapped in there. Yeah, it was just, like, it's weird stuff. But um, I think a lot of that came from, like, reading the Frank Peretti books. Oh, yeah. Those books were creepy for, like, what I was exposed to. Those were really intense books. Yeah. Um, Frank Peretti is a... Like a sci-fi slash fantasy writer who was popular among the the Christian community. He wrote um, This Present Darkness and a couple other books for adults. He was kind of he was kind of like the Stephen King for Christian. Yeah, he was like Christian horror. Yeah. So then and then there was like a, a series of kids books um, that were kind of. Indiana Jones inspired mystery supernatural. The covers situations. reminded me of Goosebumps, which I never read but saw in the library all the time. It was like, yeah, they they looked like Goosebumps, like meets Indiana Jones. Yeah, and um, and they were pretty intense to be like, yeah, some some sacred object from another culture is like got a curse on it and you touched it and now you're demon possessed and like we have to like save the entire tribe to like yep. get them to believe in Jesus to save you. I don't know, weird stuff like that. I don't I'm I'm making that up, but like that's based on my my impressions and my memories of reading like a dozen of them. Yeah, it was it was pretty standard and the solution was always Jesus, obviously. It was bad fear-mongering. It really was. And it's and it's also like this like weird like white supremacist colonialist stuff mm-hmm. like again like we are going to be afraid of other cultures because they don't look like us even though again this is this is what I keep going back to with like Christianity has its own cultic rituals and yep. um and but it's it's fine because it's Christian right so anything that is like the same but different um is a threat so it must yep. be exterminated. Something that has been 
interesting to me that I've kind of talked about a little bit with my friends who practice paganism more than I do is that like the Christian God is an extremely jealous God and can't deal with other gods existing at all. Like the Christian God is really insecure compared to other like pagan gods who are like, yeah, no, there's other gods that's fine but the christian one is like no only me right because the christian god stole you from your other traditions he knows that if you cheated on on your your former gods with him you'll cheat with someone else on yeah the christian god is like (laughs) a really abusive partner well that's that's the other thing is like looking at the like this was this is a totally off topic but related topic um, discussion looking at like signs of abuse after I got out of oh my, God, my yes. family and my marriage, I started realizing like there's a lot of these conversations going around where we were like, we just read this checklist of like what an abuse abusive relationship looks like. And not only does it resemble everything I experienced in my family of origin, but it also resembles everything I experienced in church. Yep. And everything I believed about God. Yeah, I also had that where I would be reading about abuse contextualizing my childhood and then realize that is the exact same relationship I have with religion. Yeah, so I I don't think we've ever really talked about our deconversion strictly so much, but I I left the church not because I stopped believing so much as I physically couldn't go to church. I would have migraines and panic attacks. Um in dissociation and I physically could not sit through a sermon anymore without like hurting my body. It became like a form of self-harm to go to church. Yep. I was the same after I left. I went to church every week for like a year still. And then we realized we were adults and didn't have to do that anymore. And at around that same time, well, not even that, like after, even during that year that I was still going to church, going to church became very stressful and I would get panic attacks and be anxious and I would have adrenaline rushes in church. I would feel nauseous and sick. I mm-hmm. brought like a flask of rum with me whenever I had to go and I would just go hang out in the bathroom. I would hang out in the bathroom during communion so I wouldn't have to do that. And I like eventually stopped going because it was just too toxic for me. And I would listen, I would try to be good and listen to what the preachers were saying and everything that they said, whether or not they were, they meant the same things that my parents said, everything was filtered through that. And it was just abusive and toxic and terrible. And people at church obviously were like, well, you just need more church. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is bad Mm. for my health. Yeah, it's it's very, very triggering. And I, I don't, entirely know what I believe in in terms of like an alternative to Christianity I don't think I've ever like I consciously deconstructed everything and reconstructed everything except for my faith Mm -hmm. I I let I consciously deconstructed my faith to a point where I was trying very very hard to um, find ways to believe this in the same systems um, while like trying to dismantle power differentials and um, abuse systems and basically wasn't able to do that. Um, So I've never replaced it with anything. But I think this is why I have gone, felt drawn toward witchcraft and paganism because it's ritual. It's a lot of the same 
calendar time, like similar times of year for major events. Yeah. Easter and Halloween are drawn from pagan celebrations. Yep. So um, I'm able to I'm able to keep a lot of the same seasonal patterns of uh, behavior and tradition in terms of like observing changes of year and um, major astrological events. Um, that line up pretty closely to a lot of the same events that the the church was observing, be, largely because the church appropriated those right. old old things. So it's it's nice because I don't feel like I've I've drifted too far from routine. And there's a lot of there, there's a lot of that history that I can learn from. And I mean, being my heritage is is Scottish and German, so there's a whole lot of those um, more druidic traditions that I can draw from that are not appropriative, you know, religious traditions in any way. Yeah. So I, f- I feel um, a little bit more at home practicing those things without, like, stealing from other cultures. That makes sense. I also basically, like, I deconstructed Christianity, but I didn't replace it with anything because... After after going through all of that, like the idea of sort of organized religion is is too much for me still. So mm-hmm. I I'm drawn to paganism and I I practice I dabble like in paganism a little bit personally because it makes sense to me, but also in a way that's very much I only do it for me and I'm not gonna try to convince you that yeah, like my warding and shielding and spells work universally but they work for my brain so that's it yeah that's the other thing is like these rituals and things that they're we're self-directed in terms of um how we're practicing them it's a decentralized tradition it's a matriarchal tradition it's not something that we're participating in an abusive power structure. Right. <laughs> we're participating in something that, I mean, hedge witchery is like what women have done in the kitchen for forever. Like all these little like thing, like it's like mother witchcraft. Like it's mm-hmm. like ways of protecting your family and your home and like establishing routines and boundaries and um, emotional safety nets. Like it's just common sense stuff. And I look at a lot of the like implicit, um, traditions that my um, my mother gravitated to in terms of like stuff around the house that she had that she did, which in her mind were homemaking things. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of them overlap with the the traditions of hedge witchery. That makes sense. Um, little things like lighting a candle and you know clearing a space and like washing things at certain times and mm-hmm. bringing in herbs or, or burning things like just kind of all feels the same yeah there's like there is a comforting similarity in it without it being oppressive yeah which is nice so what are what are your feelings on halloween and stuff now i really um i have kept my any sort of observance of halloween kind of low-key i've never really participated in it I went with a, a boyfriend to a garage band concert one Halloween a couple years back and dressed up as Buffy. And I feel like that's like the closest I've ever gotten to observing Halloween. <laughs> the The crowd was bad and it was cold and uh, I got sick off of the beer. And so it was like a weird yeah. night. 
So I really haven't like celebrated Halloween. Um, my husband and I, my ex-husband and I, we were gonna like do a Harry Potter Halloween costume party at some point. Um, and it must have been when we were fighting a lot because that never happened. Um, but I really loved Harry Potter. I really loved reading that as an adult. Um, I got in trouble with my dad because I was reading it in his house, and he like, I was like newlywed, and like it yep. was like one of my first times visiting home. <laughs> And I was reading like the third Harry Potter book or something in his living room. And I was talking with my mom or my husband was talking with my mom. We were all sitting in the living room hanging out. And uh, my father walks in and he sees what I'm reading. And he's like, get that book out of my house. And I just like kind of looked at him. And my mother was like, she's an adult. (laughs) And I was like, I'm married. (laughs) Your kids won't see it. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, you can't tell me what to do anymore. Um, but so tonight I'm going to a, a classmates having a Halloween party and I'll be dressing up as the, um, Jodie Whittaker new Doctor Who. Nice. I think that'll be my, my first like real celebration of the holiday with people. That's awesome. Oh, there's yeah. a drag show in town too. I'm going to go to that. <gasps> yes. Yeah, oh my fun. God. Tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon I'm biking in drag in heels with a bunch of other people to like vote no on repealing the gas tax which I'm excited about (laughs) it's great Um, yeah so I also haven't really done anything like with other people intentionally for Halloween but Mm -hmm. I have I usually dress up um, for fun and this year uh school is having a trick-or-treat for the children's center because we have a children's center on campus so people can do school and have somewhere for their kids to be Mm. um so the queer club is gonna table and i have a uh hogwarts uniform i have a gryffindor tie and a gray sweater nice and a cauldron that i'm putting candy in so i'm gonna dress up like i'm a gryffindor student and hand out candy um, and let's talk about your tattoo. Oh, yeah. So speaking of uh, censorship, when I was uh, 22, I got my first tattoo. And my tattoo is the Deathly Hallows. You designed it. The, I did. I designed it myself. It's the Deathly Hallows. And the Elder Wand is Eleven Sonic Screwdriver from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose this tattoo... And, and the reason I chose to, like, get fandom sort of put on my arm was because of just how heavily censored my childhood was. And, like, I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter, and I watched it. I read it as an adult. I listened to the audiobooks while I painted. Um, and it was... It resonated with me a lot. I related a lot to Harry's experience as an abused, sheltered child, and with the messiah complex let's like with mention the messiah that. complex yeah like i am the chosen one i have to save the world and die and and like it was just it resonated a lot that with has no, nothing in common with the way we were raised to no, think about ourselves in the no world. no 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 there's no no similarities at all <laughs> also not with the orphan thing and all of anyway basically raising yourself and chosen family and yeah yeah, yeah. so um because like I kind of I, I put that together and I resonated a lot with the story. Uh, I decided that I would get uh, the Deathly Hallows on my arm as like 
owning myself and owning my body and telling myself that it's okay to enjoy things and also like fuck censorship really Mm -hmm. and and so i have i have the deathly hallows tattoo on my arm because like you can't you can't keep people from learning things about themselves and that was really kind of what harry potter represented to me was like the start of me learning who i was and what i liked and what resonated with me it was like my introduction to fantasy and doctor who was sort of my introduction to sci-fi so yeah yeah similarly (laughs) i i that makes sense. Did you ever have any resonance with the, um, I was just about to say Gandalf is an abusive character, but I meant Dumbledore. <laughs> I complete yes. them in my mind because they are both kind. Like, I feel like they Gandalf look very is, similarly. Yeah. But Gandalf is not really near, nearly as abusive as Dumbledore is. Did you, no. did, how did you feel about that? Like later? Yeah. After, after, after like getting through it, I was like, Oh my God, that's a, like it's a dick move that's terrible like Mm -hmm. that's sort of something that i i wind up deconstructing and in a way it's it's not so dissimilar to also how i was raised to be an arrow and to sacrifice myself for the good of whatever like dumbledore was kind of also like a sneaky version of my abusive parents yeah, I think it's... And it's God, in- kind of, TBH. Yeah, and God. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really, it really does feel similar. Um, and I think it's interesting that, like, we are critical thinkers. We are able to discern these things. Why couldn't our parents have trusted our judgment to, like, figure that out when we were still in the home? Because I think we would have figured it out and applied it to them. Like, they were probably, like, they didn't know because they didn't bother to read it because they were like, this is just evil, pure and simple. We're not going to read, we're not going to allow it in the house. But also, I probably would have put it together. I think that is what it comes down to, really. I think you're right. I think reading these things or interacting with these things would have poked holes in our our belief system because we, we... like Christianity as a like supernatural faith or superstitious faith um, rather like parallels so much of the mythology around Halloween that like it would have felt so similar and we would have started being, being able to see through things. Right. Like that's kind of, uh, I did speech and debate and after, after everything went down and I left, I learned that my siblings aren't allowed to do speech and debate because of what happened with me. Oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to do speech and debate because I was already, quote, unquote, too good at arguing and winning arguments. Right. They want they want critical thinkers, but they actually don't. <laughs> right. So um, thank you for this question, guys. This is a great question. Um, obviously, we've strayed very far afield and come back. <laughs> um, we do, I do want to put in a plug for one, one request. Um, I'd love to get a guest who is like edu- professionally educated, not just like experientially knowledgeable, but like professionally an expert um, to talk about um, how evangelical Christians appropriate and abuse um, Judaism and um, are politically using the state of Israel and the whole the whole question um, of like who Israel belongs to. Um, we, that's something that we've been getting questions about from our readers, but I think both of us 
feel like we should not tackle that solo because it is so nuanced and it's so complicated and it does definitely relate to yeah. um, a lot of the political maneuvering that's happening right now with the, the move of the embassy to Jerusalem and all of that. Yeah, my family was extremely appropriative of Jewish culture, but I'm not qualified to speak on it. And, and my family was too. And my, my family is, as I said, ethnically German and Scottish. And my name is a he, like the Anglicization of the Hebrew pronunciation. It doesn't, it should not belong to me. It's kind of fucked up. And um, I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, but yeah, so we'd love to talk about this. This is a, a, an important topic, but um, I'd love to get some more voices in on this. So volunteer, email us. Uh, or tweet at us if you're interested or know someone who might be Um, because it's something that is I feel like it's really important to talk about but it should be done with someone who understands it better thank you so if you um, want to get 24 hours advance access to each episode you should um, support us on Patreon or you know just like pay for our, our coffee habits um we need so much coffee to do this (laughs) we need so much coffee and also so much booze yes um let us be the honest (laughs) (laughs) so um our patreon is um our our handle is at kitchen table cult pod um you can follow us on twitter also at kitchen cult pod and i'm mx darkwater on twitters if you want to at me and i am ha ettinger you can email us with your questions through our website, kitchentablecult.com. And if you like our music, uh, the person who does that is The Heavens, and it's wonderful. Yeah, Jack Holloway's band. Um, they're starting to do some some live events, so um, look them up and see if there are any near you. He's centered in Brooklyn. Um, you might be able to go see him live. That would be lovely. Next time I'm in the east coast (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much to aaron for um saving our asses every week and producing this podcast editing out all of blanche's adorableness so it sounds coherent my my puppy (laughs) is so distracting and so adorable and if you want you can venmo or square us money for halloween candy or just for fun uh (laughs) i take square and my handle is kieran k-i-e-r-y-n I think Hannah does Venmo. Yeah, I do Venmo, and my handle is the same as my Twitter handle, H.A. Ettinger. Thanks for listening. Uh, Tune in next week for something. Email us your questions. Do all the things. Thank you for joining us. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.